Hi again, friends. Welcome back for mile 65 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. We're super excited to welcome in Kyle Merber, one of the best American milers of this generation. Before we bring you Kyle's interview, I'd like to pause for a somber moment of recognition as we lost a titan of track and field this past week. Rafer Johnson, decathlete, world record holder, and winner of the 1960 Olympic gold at Rome and 1956 silver at Melbourne, passed away at age 86. Johnson's back and forth duel with C.K. Yang played a central role in David Marinus's epic narrative, Rome 1960. But Rafer Johnson was so much more than a decathlete. He played basketball at UCLA for legendary coach John Wooden, lit the Olympic cauldron at the 84 Los Angeles Games, led the founding of the California Special Olympics, and even helped subdue Robert F. Kennedy's assassin, Sirhan Sirhan, shortly after the shooting. We salute Rayford Johnson on a life well lived and send our best to his family and friends. In a recent episode, Ken Goh told us he fell in love with covering track because track athletes are the best people in sports. To me, Kyle Merber personifies Ken's perspective. I interviewed Kyle a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, recording issues created a lot of lost audio. However, Kyle was gracious enough to again squeeze us into his calendar. That's the type of kindness and generosity we've come to expect from our conversations with runners of every experience level. So I spliced together pre and post Thanksgiving interviews for you. Kyle shares his perspective on running as a lifestyle, the challenging postponement of his Olympic pursuit, and how you can refocus on meeting goals interrupted by a tumultuous year. Plus, Kyle tells us about his new project, creating recovery products for runners. I own his Bolt Mini massage gun and absolutely love it. It would make an awesome holiday gift for the runner in your life. If you're local in the upstate, you can grab one at our presenting sponsor, Run In. Now, here's Kyle Merber and mile 65 of Seconds Flat. Kyle, welcome back to the show. How you doing? I'm doing well. Things are going great, you know, just getting the runs in, getting the rides in. Good, man. It's good to have you. We appreciate you coming in and sharing more time with us. How was Thanksgiving? Oh, it was weird. You know, the whole family didn't get together. We instead got food dropped off to each of us and we sat around our own kitchen tables over Zoom. But oh, I still yeah. got a nice meal. My parents were nice enough to make that. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that is, that's a, s- a strange Thanksgiving. But I guess a reminder this year of all the things we have to be thankful for, right? That yeah, now more than share. ever. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to, to kick off with the uh, profile New York Times did on you this past summer, running past an Olympic dream. And I thought it was such a fascinating look at your running journey and how a laser-like focus on one central goal really affected your life and what comes next amid a pandemic and Olympic postponement. 
Could you tell us some about what you learned this year about you and your relationship with running? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that I would hope to kind of express to people about my personal relationship with running is that I've always had a very holistic, full-bodied relationship with the sport. Like, I love running in and of itself, and competition, you know, the 1500, it's only one aspect of why I love doing it every single day. And I think that during the pandemic, I've had to reevaluate what I love about the sport and try to bring that with me into the rest of my life. And it's been a good, you know, you've had plenty of time, I think, as we all have to both ask questions and answer them. And it's a consistent journey of exploring those ideas. And for me, that's a lot of what this pandemic and, you know, my running has been up to trying to figure it all out. Right. Yeah. What are some of the things when, when you wake up in the morning and it's time to go out and put in some miles, what, what are those things that get you going every day that, that motivate you, your love of all the miles, all the workouts that you've put in over your career? Yeah. It's funny because I don't have the, I don't need a motivation, which is almost like a, a Nirvana-esque level. And, you know, like, it's not like I'm, oh, am I going to get a run in today? Or like, how am I going to get my, how am I going to drag myself out for those miles? It's just like, you just do it. What do you like? I, I made that decision years ago and it's so ingrained in me. It's a habit. It's just like part of who I am and what I do. It's nice, you know, to be surrounded by people who kind of think and operate that same way. And I always say, you know, my wife is a runner. It's really nice to be married to another runner because she thinks that way as well. It's not like, all right, so, you know, we're on vacation. It's like, all right, so we're going to start the day with a tour at 8 a.m. because we both know that that wouldn't leave us enough time to get a morning run in. So um, I think when I think of the motivation, it's just like, there is nothing. What do you mean? It's just like, you just run every day. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I think that hits really to what me and the people that I work with and a lot of people who listen to us would say, you portray it as a lifestyle. It's just exactly. it becomes part of who you are. Yeah. That's, a, that's, the, the, that's the difference I think with runners and other sports is it's not like, you know, you'll stop playing baseball one day, you know, like you don't have the nine guys on your team to go out and you know, let alone the other nice guys on the other team or football. It's like there's an end point to a lot of people's careers where I think with running, it's, it's as long as you want it to be. It's your own personal relationship with the sport and it's a lifestyle choice that we've made a long time ago. That personal relationship, you just had a, at a milestone birthday in your 30s. What do you see as the, the change in that relationship maybe versus – Kyle in college, when you're on the clock on an NCAA schedule rather than your own? Yeah, you know, I think that as I've gotten older, I've recognized more and more that I'm not necessarily competitive with the people on the line who I'm competing against. I'm competitive with myself. And that's where I draw, I guess, if we had some level of motivation, is where it's coming from is like being the best version of yourself. 
And I think as I've gotten older, I've developed that more and more and appreciate it. And I think that leads to longevity, both in terms of racing and just making it a lifestyle as we noted. Mm, yeah. Uh, that adds uh, maybe a mental aspect that can help keep it fun and new for all of us rather than I have to beat the guy next to me, which we all want to do at times. Yeah. Just being the best version of yourself. Uh, that was well said. I think that's always my greatest fear is that, you know, I finish a race and I feel like I didn't, I still left a part of me, you know, out there that I, do, that I wasn't able to get every last drop out. And rarely in my life have I been that upset at the end of races, you know, like in terms of there, and I, I, you get competitive and you have adrenaline and, you know, like obviously you're, very very caught up in what you're doing in the moment but generally once i cross the finish line like that's the end and those you dial it back a little bit those emotions and when i think of the two times in my career when i crossed the finish line and have never been more angry than any other time before were two times in which i felt like i wasn't able to demonstrate the full scope of my fitness generally both times because of tactical errors and but I, I remember the two times that it happened, I walked off the track absolutely fuming. And the only reason was because I felt like I wasn't as tired as I could have possibly been. What were those races? In uh, 2017 at Tracktown USA in New York, Randall's Island, I got tripped up with about 300 meters to go. And it really derailed me <laughs> a bit. And I've, I finished up and I just felt like the reason why I wasn't able to win the race was because I got tripped, not because I wasn't good enough. And another time was actually um, at Oxy in 2018 with a hundred meters to go, I was still boxed in and I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. And finally, when something opened up, I, um, you know, I, I hawked him down as best as I could, but Centro just barely got away from me still. And I felt like that was an opportunity because I think he had been doubling back. And that was like, I saw as an opportunity to grab a scalp there. And when I finished, I was just like, that was all tactics. That wasn't fitness. Mm. So um, yeah, those were the two times that I walked away more upset than ever before. And I think that speaks to what I was saying earlier is, you know, it's just getting the most out of yourself. On the flip, is there a, a race you can point to that you think, wow, I really got close to perfection on that day? Yeah, um, I think, you know, I know you're down in this part of the world, but when I ran my 1500 meter personal best at Furman, like that was as clean of a race as I could have asked. And I, I walked away being like, damn, that's going to be hard to beat for a little while like I'm gonna have to <laughs> I'm gonna have to get in some better shape to get more out of myself um you know obviously you think that immediately you're thinking of like the little things you could do better you know I did go out a little slow but like I was able to fully rip it that last lap and I walked away feeling really really pleased but another alternative way was at the Olympic trials in 2016 you know I was super upset afterwards but in a totally different way I, you know I was upset because it was like for many many months I'd done everything that I could do 
to get the most out of myself and it didn't work out. And, but it was like almost, I wasn't upset in the sense of being angry. I was just like, you've poured so many years and so many months and so many miles into something. And when it's finally over, you're just like, it's this weird balance between knowing you've done everything that you could and not working out, being proud of your performance. And so it's kind of like a beautiful moment in like a tragic way when you realize you didn't make the Olympic team. On that note of pouring everything into it for so long, with your experience you mentioned there about the Olympic team, and of course this year not having that opportunity to compete for the Olympic team, what's your advice for all the runners right now who have a dream or a goal that's deferred and hopefully 2021 is the opportunity, but they're not sure? Yeah, um, what happens to a dream deferred? Um, I think uh, the biggest thing is the people who didn't panic, I think, will respond the best. And I think that often happens during Olympic years where people suddenly think like, I need to make these changes. I need to do this differently. I'm going to turn the dial all the way up and attack it from a totally new angle. And I think the people who just are able to stay even keeled and level headed through the whole process are often the ones who perform the best when it matters most. That's great advice. Absolutely. I couldn't always take it myself, but I could give it. Right. It's easier to say, isn't it? That there is somewhat of a natural reaction to panic or to try something different, but yeah. trusting ourselves, our coaches, and the bigger vision is ultimately generally the answer. Yeah, no, I know my regrets. And, um, you know, I think that being able to pass those lessons on to younger generations is, you know, it's beauty in it all is don't make the same mistakes that those before you did that is so true the wisdom of now 30 year old kyle merver passing it on i just found it (laughs) um so tell us about how you latched on with the hoka team uh new jersey new york track club coming out of college for your pro career yeah so i did a fifth year at the university of texas following graduation from columbia and i had some ups and downs that year and I was hurt and uh you know Frank Agliano basically when no one else wanted me was like come back to New York and train and we're going to get you fit and we're going to make people want you and so I was very fortunate to have the support of him in the New Jersey New York Track Club to put me up in a house and you know pay my rent and make it possible for me to live and train and I did so while selling shoes at the sneaker factory to make ends meet and I trained hard and that summer I put, you know, a flight on my credit card. I emailed a bunch of meat directors myself and I said, I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to prove my worth. And I went over there and I set some personal bests. I won a few races. And when I came back, Hoka, who at the time was a young buddy company, reached out and we were able to make a deal. But I had to try the shoes and that was a big part of it. And, you know, I tried them on and I was like, all right, yeah, I see what you guys are doing here. This will work. And now seven years later, I'm really thankful for their support through the career. 
Yeah, you mentioned to me before that it was you and like six guys living in, in a place together, training and working. What yeah. were the high, highs, of, highs and lows of life with a bunch of other guys post-college trying to make it happen? Yeah, the highs were definitely the off-season, um, you know, <laughs> the, the early fall. Um, no, I mean, we had a really good time and it was just a bunch of people trying to figure it out and make it. And, you know, it's a totally different mental approach when you're 20 three years old when you're living with a bunch of guys and you're trying to figure it out and you're grinding and you're living with guys who you have to beat, you know, like you're working together, but you're also seeing what it takes to be the best. And it's an exciting time. And it's a little different than when you're living with your wife in, you know, a cleaner home and uh, have a little bit more structure in your life. Yeah, it had to be. Both are good in their own right. Sure. Yeah, it had to be a lot of fun, but I, I, I'm certain you were ready to move on to the next step when it was over. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Coach Gags there. He is a, a lion of the sport. Uh, do you have a quick best uh, Gags anecdote from your time with him? Yeah, my favorite story that I always tell is when I first joined the club, I, I had a few really bad races in a row. Um, the first thing I did was I dropped out of a race. No, sorry. The first race I did was in Japan. I went over there and I ran about five minute pace for a 6k, which, you know, I've tempoed much longer and much faster before. So I come back, he's furious that I went to Asia for that. And then I dropped out of a road race 400 meters in because I'd injured my foot. And then my first track race, I went out hot on the pace for 1,200 meters before dropping a 75-second 400 (laughs) to run a 4.11. And he left me a voice message on my phone in which he just wished me the best of luck in whatever I decide to do next after running and that (laughs) I could turn in my jersey whenever I wanted and that I was going to do very well in life and I had a good college degree and like he appreciated me trying and (laughs) then at the end he's just cracking up laughing so I always want to take the piss out of you. Yeah that's good. Now Kyle you're a big presence on social media on Twitter folks can follow you at the real merb for some good laughs. What are the pros and cons of putting yourself out there like that? Uh, generally, a couple of high school kids will come up and ask for a picture and just say that they love my Twitter. So <laughs> for my ego, that's pretty good. Um, the cons is like, it seems like I've, my, I put my, not I do, but I, I think my performances get put on the pedestal a little bit more in terms of, you know, I know that I have to answer to Twitter and Instagram no matter what. And I'm sure that there are many people who have kicked by me at the end of a race thinking, I want to show this guy. Yeah. His stupid Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, you can connect with fans really well on social media and that's, that's really what it's about. And I think that I've been able to demonstrate more than just my performances by being really open and candid on the internet for since high school, you know, since the Diestat days. And I think that gives other people a reason to root for you. And I think the sport could use more of that. And there's some people who do it really well. Okay, so tell us uh, more about your uh, new venture with the Bolt Mini. This looks like a really neat product. Yeah, so, you know, a couple, 
I guess 2019, I started a company with an old friend, uh, Foon Fu, who I'm sure many people have admired his pictures on Instagram. Um, but, it, you know, he and I had an idea for a company to start making some recovery products for athletes and runners like ourselves. Um, both of us have suffered from our fair share of injuries. And so we know that space pretty well. And so, you know, it started with a vibrating foam roller, which um, not only was, I think, a great product, but was an introduction for us to learn the world of, you know, starting your own business. And now our second product, which we just launched a couple of months ago, is the Prumbita mini massage gun, the Bolt. And it is, I think, revolutionary in many ways compared to the other massage guns on the market because it's the size of an iPhone and it's, you know, super powerful, super portable. It feels great in the hand and uh, it seems like everyone who's tried it loves it. So I think we, I think we're onto something here. What was the genesis for you to get involved in this type of stuff? You know, as runners, we have a lot of running to do a lot of miles but we also have a lot of downtime and so i think replacing some of the netflix watching with a fun side venture is really the motivation and the education of it you know like we've we've had to learn a ton on the fly starting your own small business and um you know i think it's it's a fun thing to do with a friend as well you know we we've been learning a lot together all right, we will wrap it up here with a few off-the-wall questions for you and our, nice. our bell lap. First, rank these breakfast foods for me. Waffles. Right, bacon, bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> waffles, pancakes, French toast. Put them in order. I'm going to go waffles, pancakes, then French toast. Oh, just in the uh, order I laid them out. Yeah, I think waffle. I enjoy the fluffiness. Mm -hmm. And um, while they're all, you know not necessarily great for you if like eating just like straight french toast it just i don't know it, uh, it just seems like i'm eating a bunch of wonder bread <laughs> uh are, are you like an ego guy or more a Belgian i'm not a waffle? yeah i'm not opposed to the ego yeah yeah no definitely not at all i'm, I'm not too good for that or aunt jemima if you were in a steel cage tag team wrestling match. Who would be your partner? Oh my, can I like get the rock? Yeah, I was actually thinking more like in the track world. I guess I should have been more specific. Oh, okay. but yeah, yeah. Obviously the rock would have been a really good yeah. pick. Uh, Ryan Krauser would be a good pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, who, are, who are you taking on? Who are you two who are going to be your opponents? Oh man! Um, throw uh, Ben Blankenship and Craig <laughs> Angles on the other side. All yeah. right, taking out two fifteen hundred meter rivals. Yeah. What Hoka shoe are you training in right now? New Clifton. New Clifton, um, and you know the Carbon X. Favorite Thanksgiving side dish and dessert. Yeah, I'm gonna go stuffing. Okay. And then the dessert, probably just a classic pumpkin pie with, you know, a la mode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Delicious. Last thing before we get you out of here. We are in the middle of a series on favorite workouts. What is, from your career so far, 
high school, college, now professional, your favorite workout? Yeah. Um, so Gags would give us these workouts on some Fridays where we would basically just keep running race pace for shorter and shorter reps until we, you know, had nothing left. So it's like you'd start by running a 1200 at mile pace, take five, six minutes rest, then you'd run an 800 at pace, and then you'd run a 600, and then you'd run a 400, then you'd run a 300 and just ladder down. And by the end, you your muscles were so toast, and you definitely knew who the fit guys on the team were at the end of that. And so um, those days, it felt like, you know, warming up, you were warming up for a race. And every single time that you didn't think you can get any more out of yourself, you were able to get just one more drop. So yeah, those are always good workouts. Isn't that often true for all of us? There's, there's just a little bit more there, but man, you got a ton of volume at race pace in that workout. Yeah, no, we would run, we would run a lot and uh, we'd be ripping. It's a lot of time in spikes, but it get you ready. Kyle Merber, thanks for joining us, man. It was really fun to get to talk to you and hear your perspective and best wishes with the business venture going forward. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on. After my second conversation with Kyle, Hoka announced the end of its New York, New Jersey track club sponsorship. As the team members and coaches process their next steps, we want to wish them all good luck. Running groups like this one have been at the heart of the American distance running resurgence in the 21st century, and Kyle has admirably used his platform to promote his group and others. Thanks for joining us for Mile 65. Next week, we'll finish out our Workouts We Love series and give you more tips on incorporating those quality sessions into your training. Be well, and we can't wait to talk to you again next time.